Hello, welcome to the ASRM podcast. Hello. How's it going? Oh, it's going very well. And bad. I'm afraid it's been three weeks. Oh no. <laughs> Please try not to panic. Plenty of time to play video games though. Yeah, uh, I'm sure I did a lot of that. Video yeah, games? I did as well actually, yeah. So it feels like a while since we've all been sitting around the table. Yeah. Anything significant happened in the last few weeks? Um... Nintendo discontinued the NES Mini. Straight into the news. Yeah? Oh, uh, do you mean in our personal lives or just... Well, just, just whatever. Just I shooting have no the shit. personal life, only video games. Only video games. <laughs> well, first I think we should get out of the way the poorly remembered game quote. Oh, oh yeah. of course. Which, if I remember correctly, was mine. Yeah. Uh, and I believe it was, in my restless dreams, I see that place. You promised you'd take me there someday, but you never did. Uh, and I specifically omitted the name of the place that they are referring to, as that is also the name of uh, the poorly remembered game quote. Um, and that game was Silent Hill 2. Yeah, the yeah, yeah. PlayStation 2 classic. I see that game, Silent Hill 2. <laughs> I'd seen nothing, no. <laughs> yeah, it's a classic. Everybody's heard of it, it is. surely. So if you, if you got the quote it. right, then well done. And here it is in context. In my restless dreams... I see that town, Silent Hill. You promised you'd take me there again someday, but you never did. Well, I'm alone there now, in our special place, waiting for you. Yeah, it's uh, a pretty messed up game. It's yeah. a, what you'd consider a psychological horror. Yeah, um, and I, we've been talking a lot about Silent Hill recently, mm. and I know that they didn't want specifically Silent Hill was like sort of a retort to Resident Evil. Sure, mm. which is more kind of body horror, horror. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so they're very similar games, but it's more it is it's psychological. It really seeps in, so it's you can sort of play it for a while and you'd feel kind of fine. It's not very scary. Mm. The longer you play it, the more it sort of unease settles in and it, you feel it, really horrible. It doesn't help that like every human character you're meeting Silent Hill 2, everybody is fucked up like really badly. Like yeah. there's um, the character that um, Dora Burke plays, who's her name? what's her name again? Uh, Angela, Angela Orozco. Angela, yeah. Who's like, it's implied her father molested her, right? Uh, something like that. Eddie's just like a murderer. Uh, yeah, Eddie, Eddie was... Bullied for being fat. Yeah. And he murdered people for it. Right. Uh, then there's... I don't know what the girl's deal is. The little girl. I forget. There's a whole bunch of stuff. It's basically... You tend to end up in Silent Hill if you've done something. Yeah. There's a lot of fan theories on, like, yeah. connections to Limbo and Hell. And there's definitely a, a lot of analysis based on the, the horrific uh, monsters you see. Yeah, around the town as well. The first film supports that as well. The first film is actually specifically based on like uh, the main character is has something going on with her personal life, and that Sam Hill itself is like a different plane of existence, it's like purgatory. And the yeah. film totally backs that up, even though the games never really the, explicitly say that. The game series itself is not very consistent when no. you start to dig deeper into the lore. Mm-hmm. So the first series, like game, and the second series, uh, second game, don't really have a lot tying them together other than the town. The third is obviously based off of the first one, mm-hmm. and then the fourth one is not really a Silent Hill game. Yeah. <laughs> And then after that, you're really just getting to... Into the weeds. Yeah. But it is fun to think about. In terms of getting like a solid 
lore, this is the way the series works. I don't think they ever really no. intended it to be that way. They're yeah. just spooky games. Some of the best yeah. spooky games. Definitely worth a shot, I think. Yeah. And, and 2 is a one that really stood out for me. Don't bother with the HD collection, though. No. No? Um, not all the HD collection. Like, look it up. That bootshot the game's really bad. It's, it's almost like they were bad on purpose. The, the way they did it was they... So, at this time, it was during the PlayStation 3 generation. Yeah. And it was sort of the the dawn of the HD remaster era. Yeah. So they had these... Sony had this line. It was um, collections or whatever. Each one, the HD collection for Metal Gear Solid. Um, so yeah, Konami did a few of them. They had the HD collection for Metal Gear Solid, which was developed by... Blue Point. Uh, Blue Point. Mm-hmm. And then they had um, the Silent Hill HD collection, which was developed by somebody else. I can't remember exactly who did it. But they definitely didn't spend money on that one right no. uh, what they gave the people who made it was a finished like an unfinished build of the original game yeah so there was stuff missing from it things like um models and textures and the code was unoptimized That's so the so game sloppy. runs like shit on the playstation 3 uh-huh. with the frame rate dropping below the frame rate of the original playstation 2 game uh and also the fog um in the game, the fog covered up a lot of stuff that wasn't actually there because they didn't need to render it because yeah. the fog was in the way. The dr- the distance that the fog is drawn at is further back. So you can see like um, phone lines end m- in the middle of nowhere and there's like a chain going off into the sea at oh. the pier and it just ends and it's hanging there in midair. Um, and the game doesn't, doesn't work. That. Yeah. And for some reason, they re-recorded all the voices. They the redubbed they it. did that was because... The director of the game hated Silent Hill 2. The guy who directed the remasters and the guy who directed things like um, Book of Memories. Book of Memories, yeah. He absolutely hates the original games because he thinks that Silent Hill should be something else. Right. So he's come into it now and he's done a few. He's an American guy and he's like, well, this is what Silent Hill needs to be now. And he thinks that he's bringing something to the table when actually all he's doing is trashing uh, a classic. He did a George Lucas. Yeah. I remember when they first announced that they were re-recording the dialogue. It's, it's both to do with what you mentioned there. and the, the contracts they had for the original American voice actors for Silent Hill 2 were basically not worth the paper they were written on. Um, mm. And there was something to do with rights to like the obviously like residuals, which aren't really a, a thing in games. Yeah. Like you, It's one and done, you record it and that's it. The mm. thing is, I can't remember which one. I think it's Silent Hill 2. Because uh, mm. the, the HD collection came with Silent Hill 2 and Silent Hill 3. And on one of them, you can switch between the new voices and the old voices. That's two. In the other one, you can't. You just get the new voices. The reason for that is um, the original voice actors for two, um, especially the guy that did James, like he's actually really into the games and like he he likes being contacted by fans and he likes being in contact with them Mm -hmm. and really supports the games and stuff like that. Um, Basically, he convinced the entire voice acting team to drop the whole residuals thing. Yeah. So they they just said, yeah, you can have our voice acting for free for this release of the game. That's quite good. Yeah. Like it's there's some it's not integrity it's more just like their their devotion is to the series not the company yeah, yeah. It's, it's kind of the same thing that David Hayter did for um the Twin Snakes Twin Snakes so. yeah um actually on a sort of tangentially related the voice actor for James recently released some unseen footage of mocap work for Silent Hill 2. Oh, yeah, I saw that. He uh, put it out on his Facebook page. So he's still, yeah, to this day, really into cool. Silent Hill. If we can get a hold of it, we'll put it in the yeah. blog post. It's on YouTube, I think, so we can find that. Nice. In my restless dreams, I see that place, Silent Hill. It's classic. Yep, it's, it's, a, it's a good line. Yeah. Um, so let's move on. Yeah. You, mm-hmm. uh, you alluded to the fact earlier that Nintendo have 
discontinued their yeah. NES Mini. Okay, so depending on where you stand on this issue, you either don't care at all, you bought an NES Mini and you're happy with it, or you're not quite happy, or you're perplexed at the way Nintendo do business. I think that's probably a large majority of people. Yeah, so Nintendo have this... Okay, getting into the story first, before <laughs> I start to speculate on what they're doing. They recently, NES, um, Nintendo released a NES. It's a small mini one. Mm-hmm. You can plug it into your TV and play 30 games with some classic titles that were... They were third-party licensed titles, so things like Final Fantasy. And it sold really well. They always had supply and demand issues. So people wanted them, but there was no, no stock anywhere. Yeah. Um. And they said, okay, we are aware that they're selling really well and people can't get hold of them. We're going to release a few more. So you think, okay, they're just going to keep releasing them. Mm -hmm. They released another wave. Um, People still want more of them. uh, And instead, Nintendo cancelled it. That's the end of the NES Mini. Yeah. Um, So that that strikes me as intentionally making them scarce. Yeah. Which is something that is we've noticed a lot of Nintendo products doing. Um, the Amiibo Switch in particular. Uh, mm. was incredibly hard to get rid- hold of at certain times. Yeah. yeah, and Amiibo has this whole manufactured demand almost. It's like, there is demand, and it outstrips the stock, but it feels like stock levels are specifically kept low so that people buy them really early. It's like the Beanie Babies did yeah. the same thing. To me, it comes across like Nintendo have always had this particular mystique, or like, no mystique, but like... Um, like the, their products are always seen as like slightly higher in quality, like oh, like oh, it's a Nintendo yeah. product, like they must be good. And it's obviously by targeting scalpers and all that kind of thing with artificial artificial scarcity and this kind of thing, it's not making them money, but it's getting them notoriety. It's yeah. keeping their it's keeping their status higher. Like so you're saying, oh, it's an ami- it's a, a cloud strife amiibo, and they've already sold out. By the way, and they're not out to July. Yeah, uh, the pre-orders have already sold out for all the new amiibos for being it and cloud and stuff like that. It's like, oh, the cloud amiibo, it's the Nintendo what, one. What I about want that, so. what about the kids that can't pre-order an amiibo? Yeah, fuck them. Like <laughs> that's that's how it feels. Like I'm not one to sit and defend kids. I don't. No, I. I. You've got a job. You can afford to pay slightly higher prices if yeah. it's something you really want. That's the thing. I this doesn't affect me. If I sure. wanted the cloud amiibo that bad. I'd have bought it a month, like when it was up for pre-order. Yeah. But kids aren't going to get into it. Like no. kids are not going to have access to these things because they're being seen now as exclusively catering to adults who are oh. hobbyists mm. who mm. are looking and reading and seeing, well, this is coming out then. I need to pre-order it and, and put the money up front mm-hmm. for, um, amiibos are nice. They're built really well, but yeah. let's face it. It's not costing Nintendo a great amount of money to make these things. Presumably. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's like low tier collectibles. They're not, you know, they're not even really collectible. The collectible yeah. is just because Nintendo says these are collectible by them now. It's the difference between that and, I don't know, a Funko Pop. Yeah. And like yeah. Funko Pop yeah. are like dirt grade collectible. Yeah. This is low tier. Like it's nice things to have. But they are toys, yeah. first and foremost. Well, they're functional. Yeah. So you can use them, you can interact with the game uh, with the Amiibos. So yeah. it, it right, kind of yeah. feels like you're people will miss out on certain aspects by not having them. Or, exactly. But yeah, I mean, the, the whole practice of limited scarcity, it's just, it's not cool. And especially when it comes to, like, arguably what are uh, products intended for children, children or younger people. And they're not going to get their hands on it. Now, I know these properties, Final Fantasy VII, um, kids aren't going to know who that is. They're like, who's Cloud? Uh, Bayonetta arguably shouldn't be in the hands of children, depending on 
You're how certainly not the original Bayonetta games. Like those yeah. games are pretty blatant. Yeah. So, um, but it's not limited to these properties. Like we're talking specifically about two uh, more niche amiibos. Yeah. But there are other amiibos that are less niche, more universal, and they do the like same thing with Pac-Man all of them. Pac-Man and Sonic and Mario. Yeah. Mm. See, here's here's the thing. You, you're talking a lot about them being aimed at kids, and they are children's toys. They look like children's toys. But this is where I take umbrage with it, because Nintendo know that they can get away with saying, these are kids. Oh, they're just toys for kids. They're like, we have a, we have a good kids market. We're really, like, we're really family friendly. Yeah. But it's just calculated. It's calculated so they can say, oh, well, we can make these figures and kind of have another wee source of revenue or notoriety that like that we have this week in a market where yeah. people will bid higher and higher and higher for these tiny plastic figures. So we like it's just another kind of end for them to like yeah. make, seem, make themselves seem more important than other game developers. Like they're like Amiibo are more notori- notable than like Skylanders or um, what were the other one Disney Infinity for yeah, example or Lego Dimensions by virtue of deliberately making them scarce. So that it's it's, it's more of a cult thing, and yeah. that's what Nintendo's all doing. They're the cult guys, despite them, they're not really cult no. at all. But they, they can make themselves appear that way. They are arguably the most mainstream console. Everybody knows who Nintendo is. It's like, what's a Nintendo? Like, like, yeah, yeah. It's just the name for um, a console in general. Or so. maybe that's sort of a bit archaic now to think that Nintendo is synonymous with gaming. Yeah, sure. That's the way it definitely was when I was a kid. Like, yeah, yeah. You played the Nintendo, you know. Who had, nobody had a Nintendo when I was younger. Like, the Nintendo 64, I remember two people had it. Everyone else had, like, Playstations, but you yeah. still was like, are oh, you playing the Nintendo, son? It's like, no, Dad, it's the Playstation. It's like, oh, okay. But, um... For God's sake, the, the Playstation takes disc, it's much better. It's, it's weird, because also, at the same time, I think that it would be equally damaging for Nintendo to make them too available. Because you look yeah. at Skylanders, and my, um... Like, Skylanders sold really well. I don't know if it's still available. I don't know which ones have been cancelled and which ones aren't. And people, it's, it's at one point very popular, but at the same time, it's a very common sight to see bargain bins full of dirt cheap Skylander toys. Yeah, sure. And it feels like that's not very sustainable. Uh, and for somebody like Nintendo, you're wanting to always, like you say, it's about keeping the name at a certain status. It's all about profile. Yeah, and and it was without doing the like the amiibos. I think they were doing fine, but they either need to do it this way or not do it at all. Sure. They can't afford to have these things in the bargain bin because, specifically, particularly after the Wii, where um, at, towards the end of that generation, you're seeing all these fucking Wii peripherals, all yeah. these plastic pieces of rubbish that people would buy and stick on their Wiimote to play tennis or whatever. You're seeing them in bargain bins, and that was one of the biggest culprits for issuing shovelware. Ever. Yeah. I mean, it, it rivaled the PlayStation 2 in terms of shovelware. Sure. There's some amazing games on the Wii, but, you know, they don't, they want to sort of stay away from that. And the Switch is doing pretty well. Like, it looks nice. But again, that console doesn't look like it's had any consideration for kids. It's a no. very delicate piece of kit. It's core gamer, only. You can tell yeah. by the design and the games coming out for it and all that kind of thing. So, um, And I don't know, it just feels like maybe Nintendo's betraying their past a wee bit. They've always been seen as. I know, like they're they were run by Yakuza, so it sounds like they're they're pulling a racket. (laughs) Allegedly, gaming's best kept secret or worst kept secret, I should say. That guy on Ikebukuro. Next time we're in there, he's going to stab us now because he heard Bry badmouth the Yakuza on the podcast. It's fine. I I stay in a way, so I'm safe. (laughs) (laughs) Well, (laughs) Um, Uh, but yeah, I mean, coming back to the the NES as well. Yeah. So there there have been some rumors that 
the reason they've discontinued it is because they're now going to produce a SNES equivalent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, see, there's um, so unconfirmed totally rumors. Unconfirmed. I mean, I could see them doing it. There's a couple of things. Part of me feels... See, it depends how cynical you are. Because I'm aware that I can be rather cynical. Mm-hmm. So um, one of the spins that I've seen put on it is the NES Mini was cancelled just as the Switch came out. Okay. Which positions them nicely to sell titles on a virtual console oh, for yeah. £5 a pop. You know, £5 for Final Fantasy rather than as part of a bundle for what should have sold for like 40 quid uh, or whatever, how much ever it was. Um, Fun thing, we saw a couple in CEX today for £190 a piece for the NES Mini. Wow. The Um, controllers are £45 each. Yeah, You could probably get a classic NES controller for cheaper than that. Yeah. You could get Um, a NES for like 50 quid. But if you know where you look, yeah. I can see them doing it. I can see them making a SNES version yeah. of this. It would work really like, well. It seems but, like the, the, the NES was a license to print money for them. Really. Yeah. Here's the thing. I don't think a SNES console would sell half as well as a NES one would. Right. So the NES one, cap- like the, I think the whole thing that sold the NES Mini, it was a capitalization on nostalgia Yeah. by people who weren't necessarily gamers. Mm. What this should have been is the the... It was like they brought it out around Christmas. Yeah, yeah. people are going to see it. It's like uh, whatever forty pounds. You've got everything you need to play it. You've got thirty games, games that people remembered mm. as a kid or whatever when they played it. The NES is um, this is more in America than here because over here we didn't have the NES in quite the same way. No, but now it's sort of we've. It's funny because we've sort of people now who are our age. So um, uh, like late twenties, twenty five to 20s. thirty, or whatever. Um, we didn't, you know, we we sort of, by osmosis, we have second-hand nostalgia for the NES, I feel. Well, I, I would have said that back then, things like the Mega Drive were more prominent. Sega always had a, a stronger hold on Europe than uh, Nintendo ever did back in the 90s, yeah. so you're right there. Yeah, I, absolutely. And very before that, it was home computing was the big thing in, in, in uh, yeah in here. We didn't have things like Atari. It was... Amstrad and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the the NES was actually my first console. Yeah. And then shortly after, I picked up a Mega Drive, which was yeah. kind of like a hand me down from my brother. Mm-hmm. I think like but we, we I, definitely I, had it here, but the 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 sales numbers for the UK versus the American markets yeah. were like day and night. So whereas to them, it's like a staple, iconic console. Over here, it's just one of it was another a few. console at the time. Yeah. yeah. Like because you had the the Micro, the Amiga. The Spectrums, Amstrads, yeah. home computers were much bigger because of the, the programming scene and all that kind of thing in yeah. the UK. And then the Mega Drive came along because they had, it was a, well, first it was a master system, mm. and the Mega Drive, so it was always, it was kind of between that and PCs. Yeah. Then the PlayStation came around and changed everything. And then the Nintendo 64 kind of crept in for the side. The NES was around. I remember playing one yeah. when I was very young. My yeah. uncle had one. But like the scene was not as big. But like you were saying, like the huge kick at the moment for retro nostalgia. Yeah. And Nintendo have taken that opportunity, and it's almost like they're making people remember the NES more than it actually was present. I think so. And also, it's sort of it's backed up by the fact that now, um, in our sort of global society, whatever, um, on the internet, you know, it is by us. You'll, you'll see people talking about it much more than you would because yeah. there's people in America who are producing stuff for YouTube and stuff going back. And I'm, it's not to say it wasn't around. It's more just in our sort of like collective cultural consciousness. I don't think it was as big a thing in the UK. Yeah. Kind of gone on a tangent, but my point is just that the, the NES has that status. Yeah. Whereas the SNES really doesn't. People know about the SNES, but I don't think they th- remember the SNES in the same sort of nostalgic 
funness. The NES is on mm. a pedestal, basically. Okay. The SNES isn't. Things like if they've released consoles for like, you know, these little box consoles that have games on them, they're not new. Yeah. It's just new that Nintendo did it. Yeah. So yeah. we've got the Mega Drive ones and stuff and nobody gives a, like that a second thought. You know, I think Mega Drive have re-released their titles on every console under the sun. Yeah, and there's there's about a million different versions of like the plug-and-play TV ones. You can get like they have like sixty, fifty games or whatever, like multiple versions of Sonic and stuff like that. So, so so my prediction for the SNES Mini, which I can I think I can see that coming out, but it's gonna sell to a smaller subset of people. Sure, it's not gonna break out and be like people are gonna see it who don't play games and buy it as a sort of like. Christmas present or yeah, whatever. Yeah. Um, it's not as much of a dad gift yeah. as the NES was. That's it, yeah. Like, the, the SNES Mini will sell to gamers. Yeah. Because these things will always sell to gamers. But it's not going to sell to... The casual market. The casual market, yeah. yeah. I mean, I think in, in any case, it's a bit of a novelty, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Like, it's it's not the kind of thing where you're like, oh, I can finally go back and play that game that I really no. wanted mm-hmm. to. It's just like, this is affordable if you if you can get it, yeah. like, firsthand. Yeah. And it will look cool on my coffee table or under my telly or something. Yeah. It's like... People who want to play Final Fantasy or Super Mario Brothers 3 or whatever, who play games, know where to find these titles. Yeah. And they're on the Wii, they're on the 3DS or the the DS, they're on, you know... Raspberry Pi. Yeah, or on your your NES that you own because you own a NES. Yeah. The The people who bought the NES Mini in their droves, like people bought that stuff... Like no tomorrow, mm. um, are the people who went into the store, saw the NES, remembered playing it thirty years ago, haven't played games since then, and were like, "I will pick this up. It'll be fun for a bit. I'll go back and I was like, oh yeah, I remember Final Fantasy. They'll play it for a few weeks. They'll get bored. That's it for games for them. Mm-hmm. Like that is the the market, and that's there's nothing wrong with that. No, absolutely. Bringing these things back to people who remember them from their childhood but people enjoy these things differently yeah and i think that those people aren't the people who are going to go in now after having bought the nes mini or been wrapped up in this whole thing are not going to go in and go oh yeah i also remember the snes yeah and i also remember playing i don't even know what games like we should talk about like what games would you put on a snes mini like, super mario world yeah definitely like without mario a doubt world, um Star Fox? Yeah. Or Star Wing, it was called in the UK. Chrono Trigger would be a great Chrono one if Trigger, I could get yeah. that. And, um. FF6. Yeah. Yeah. Stuff uh, like that. Yeah, like, like you were saying about, like, um, it's, it's absolutely fine and completely logical that the NES Mini was, like, like I said, a, a dad gift. Yeah. It's like for the, the, the guy in his 40s and he's like, oh yeah, I remember this. I'll take it home. The wife and the kids can play it and blah, blah, blah. Or I'll just sit and play it on off days and stuff like that. Yeah. Then he gets bored and forgets about it. That's fine. Totally fine. What I do have a problem with is the, manipulation of the status of the thing itself because what Nintendo have done is incredibly calculating and very clever and that they've manipulated sales of this thing so that the status of it has reached this thing like oh it's the NES NES Mini I really want NES Mini I need to find this Nintendo are not benefiting financially from this thing shooting up in price but they are benefiting in having this cult item associated yeah. to them like yeah. everything else that I, they do. I question how long that's going to actually benefit them though because soon they'll, they'll just have the reputation of being that company that doesn't make an, a, enough uh, to supply their demand. That's, oh, the that's it, yeah, you can only skin the cat so many times. So, See, the way I kind of thought is I don't think they plan for it to be as popular as it was. Yeah. Like, you can't know for certain. And I, I mm. think that at some point they genuinely just were like, let's put out this thing. It'll be People will buy it. What I think it would be is that, um, so the t- if we look at the time frame of which they released this, which I think is the major clue as to what they were thinking, 
is it's just before Christmas. Mm-hmm. Like it's on the run up to Christmas 2016. They know the Switch is coming out next year and they know that people are going to be looking to buy things mm-hmm. for Christmas in terms of games. Um, and they just can't afford to not have Nintendo be on the table. Yep. They can't release the Switch yet because it feels as though they're already, like the time that they have released it. When did the Switch come out actually? March. I thought so. Yeah, yeah it was this year. Um, they, they, they already feels like they've released that just a little bit too early. Yeah. It's not ready. The console itself is ready, but, um, they haven't, the groundwork isn't there to have mm-hmm. a wide release. So they're like, okay, we've got the PlayStation 4 Pro. We've got Xbox One. There's no Nintendo offering. Nobody's going to buy the Wii. Yeah. The 3DS is cooling down now. There's going to be development for it, but nobody's going to buy one. If you know what I mean, like. Yeah. So what we need to do is make sure people are thinking about Nintendo this Christmas season, so that by the time the Switch comes out, we're not forgotten about. Yeah. We're still prominent in it's people's still, minds. Yeah. So I think they released it, and they genuinely thought this is how much we'll sell. Yeah. We're only going to sell this many because not that many people are going to buy it. But it'll keep our name around. People are going to be like, oh, that's an interesting thing. Whatever. It is a novelty. Oh, In the very like yeah. core of what this thing is, it's the it's a novelty. And then what I think they saw was it sold like mad. And instead of responding to it by saying, sure, let's release more of them. Get them manufacturing them. It's not hard to manufacture these things. No. So let's get whatever they're manufacturing it. Let's just put out some more. And they did that as well. So they were like, okay, we've released a few more. But then they just stopped. And I think that that was where they were very calculated. Yes. They knew that if they stopped doing that, the demand for them would skyrocket. And then maybe those people who didn't get an as many go on to buy a Switch because they were like... Yeah, because now I can buy all the titles on the, yeah. the new eShop. Now now I need to get my Nintendo fix. Yeah. I need the next thing. It's like, oh, the min- I missed the mini, but here's the Switch. Mm. So it feels a bit... I don't know. Because I also feel like there's a sense of entitlement. Where, like, maybe Nintendo just didn't want to have that on their cards. You know, they're like, okay, we really didn't expect this to blow up, but we've got to focus on the Switch. Yeah. Yeah. So to play devil's advocate and to be fair to Nintendo, they have a big release coming up. Maybe they don't want to split the... It's certainly not something they want to focus on yeah. for any length of time. No, um, so I mean they could be accused of divesting their interests. Yeah, which is was a problem with the Wii U. Yeah, because they didn't like release enough software for it. They never sort of focused so on it. It didn't feel very supportive. Committed. So maybe it's a case of right, we're going to stop doing this because we have a, like we have a new console. Yeah. We want to focus all of our efforts on that, and if hopefully the, that is the case. If yeah. they were going to do that, though, I would have. I mean, this is just on a personal level. I would have preferred like we're going to discontinue this, but we're going to do one last big wave. Yeah. So if you want one, pre-order it now. This is the last chance. Instead of them going, right, that's it. Done. Yeah. And the thing is, it's just it's either just unfortunate or indicative of their attitude mm. yeah. that they do the exact same thing with the Amiibo and with other things. Um, so it, it really, I would say the jury is entirely out on it, but mm. it is a disappointment. I would have maybe picked one up. Um, I'm not certainly not dropping 190 pounds on it when oh, you can buy. For £190, I am sure you could get a NES and 30 solid games. You absolutely, oh, yeah, absolutely could. You can get games in job lots on eBay Yeah, uh, quite easily. There's a good selection of titles on the NES. Yeah, get the Mission Impossible game. Really? It is. It's actually very good. Yeah, yeah top notch. Keep that in mind. Or play Duck Hunt when Duck you're Hunt. drunk. Oh, it's we got great. really good at that. We, we, or we, we, we were just the Duck Hunt mate. <laughs> yeah. I... Uh, Ashamedly, I really like the McDonald's game. Like the, oh. the Mick Kids or something. Yeah, we yeah. saw that for sale in GeForce. I clocked up so many hours in that yeah. when I was a kid. It's actually a really good platformer. Yeah. Like there's there's a lot of 
different interactive elements on it. When um, licensed games used to be good. And uh, the Chip and Dale game. Chip and Dale. Is, is pretty good as well. That was, that was when Capcom had the Disney license and they, did, they were just pumping out like, fantastic games constantly for Disney in the late, like, early 90s and stuff. Yeah. What kind of, uh, which Disney games did they work on? Uh, Aladdin, The Lion King, I think. Did uh, they make the Afternoon Collection? Um, they, they, they were involved in that, yeah. Right. DuckTales. Um, oh, here's the thing, because I saw it on that Twitter. There's a Twitter that tweets out old video game stuff, like things for like marketing or whatever. Mm. Just bits of just interesting errata or whatever it is. Errata is a good yeah. Um, and one of them they tweeted out was DuckTales art by Inafune. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. So, um, creator of Mega Man, I think. Mm. Alleged um, creator. Alleged of creator of Mega Man. <laughs> he at one point was working on one of these titles and did this full art for what was going to be the cover, but they never actually used it. And this Twitter account found that and tweeted that out. And that was pretty cool. It doesn't look like Inafune's art. It just looks like DuckTales. Sure. But just knowing that he drew that, it's it's just, it is exactly what that Twitter sets out to be. It's just, yeah. oh, it's interesting. Here's here's the thing. Yeah. It's like that. Um, those photos of Michael Jackson and um, Sega Technical Institute in San Francisco. It is really and, weird. Um, it's him and a man in a cardigan. And it was like, do you know who that man is? I was like, who is it? It's Mark Cherney. It doesn't look like <laughs> it. It doesn't look like Mark Cherney at all. Um, that's another, that's sort of like, uh, weird, obscure, like, how did these things happen? Cause they, they, obviously they made, I don't know, was it Moonwalker that they would have been it's doing Moonwalker that for? Moonwalker at that time, yeah. But he also, did he not do music for Sonic 3 that they had to can? Ah, no, yes, he's that's never, an interesting never one. Never credited. Yeah. Um, he, a lot of the songs he's made, like Stranger in Moscow and all that kind of thing, there's a couple other ones, they do sound a lot like Sonic 3 tracks, but he did apparently compose some early stuff. But dropped out for whatever reasons. It was, I think, because of the allegations at the time oh, against him. Oh, couldn't them. be seen. And he didn't like they didn't want to be associated, and the whole thing kind of fell apart. Yeah. Um. And uh, the music was finished off by somebody else. Michael Jackson was never credited, and it just went for there. It's bizarre. Yeah, it's a really strange story. That's why you don't see re-releases for Sonic Three very often mm-hmm. because of the whole rights issue with the music. Sonic yeah. and Knuckles is fine because he didn't work on the music for that. He did on Sonic Three, so. The PC release for Sonic 3 has totally different music. That's, that's bizarre. It's See, really interesting. So I played through the PC release a couple of weeks ago, mm-hmm. and I didn't actually notice any difference in the music. I'd probably have to compare it and look closely, mm-hmm. but in terms of the, the tracks that I'm used to or the tracks I'm familiar with, yeah. I didn't notice any major changes. See, I'm, I'm, I've, I've heard it on YouTube before, like comparisons, so I don't know if it's maybe if both soundtracks were included, but they had to include an alternative one for legal reasons or something like that. Mm. I don't know if it could be in something like that, but I've definitely heard of it of different versions that are specifically on the PC release of the game, so I'm, I'm not sure the details, though. Yeah, so. yeah, we can check it out, and maybe if there is a online comparison, we'll post it in yeah. the, the show notes, and I'll, I will admit defeat on that. Yeah, interestingly, there isn't very many games that have been composed by, like, rock stars, or... Uh, there's a few, like... But they always seem to fall through, like, uh, Trent Reznor from Nine Inch Nails was going to work with id on one of their games. Right. Doom or Quake. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought he did there. do Quake. No, he didn't. Did he? I'm, I'm sure, sure he didn't. He did do Quake. His uh, the logos on the boxes. Maybe he did. Maybe he did sound design. I well, think it's getting to the point almost where game composers are mainstream composers in their own right. Yeah. Like and people like Austin Wintory. Yeah. Uh, Jessica Curry. They're. I mean, they're fantastic orchestral composers. There's people like um who are sort of. You get a lot more crossover between games and cinema because mm. it's Harry Gregson Williams yeah who did Metal Gear Solid and also did The Rock yeah which is a fantastic film um, <laughs> and he is so it's almost a testament to how cinematic games are now that you get people like this I know Hans Zimmer's done a few as well yeah mm. um, 
I think the only rock star I can think of is Paul McCartney, who worked on the Destiny, Destiny. soundtrack. Because I have to shoehorn Destiny, and can you hear it? It's like I've been. <laughs> well, did sorry, sorry to move away from Destiny, but did uh, did Jack Black have any musical influence on Brutal Legend? No. I don't, no, I don't think so. He was just acting. voice acting. Right. Um, Megadeth did do a version of the Duke Nukem theme. <laughs> if, if anyone knows of any specific examples, they could let us know. Yeah, that we, we could maybe read them out next week. Um, I, I guess that's something we've never really spoken about as well. We could come around to uh, one day talking about music on video games. Yeah, it's the one sort of aspect of video games we tend to neglect on the podcast. Even though I know that at least you have a, a, a massive collection of vinyl. Um, which includes some soundtracks and stuff. I have a few pieces. It's yeah. it's more a, a recent collection, but the, I think because so many games have started to release final soundtracks. Yeah, and I know you picked up uh, was it Snatcher as the well? Snatcher, and uh, we both have the Death Stranding. Oh, that, that's so good. And our friend Andrew got the Castlevania one. He did. He's got oh, all three. I think, really nice. Yeah. Um, I would like to. I missed. They, were, they recently released the Silent Hill soundtrack on vinyl. Yes, and they sold it for one day only, and I missed it. All right, I so I got an email about Did it, you? and I was like, oh, maybe I should pick it up. And I went and listened to the Silent Hill soundtrack to see if there was yeah. anything I remembered. And I was like, there was one or two pieces, but I yeah. didn't. I'm trying not to spend too much money because no. it, it so quickly adds up. If you buy a few vinyls, you're talking like like sixty quid, yeah. eighty quid, or something. I th- I'm yeah. pretty sure because I saw the Silent Hill tweet, uh, Facebook account said, "Buy it today. You've got today to buy it. The next day you couldn't. It wasn't even on the site wow. at all. It was." It's it's kind of like the the new collectors item. Yeah, for, for video game fans. Um, and I'm I'm I find myself sort of being like I need to get all of these vinyls, mm. but I'm also buying I need to buy all of these games. Yeah, and I know that if I start getting into vinyl collecting, oh man, I will be broke forever. Yeah. I'm already eyeing up uh uh an uh, some uh, another turntable. Right. Um, but. That would be a really nice sort of thing to talk about one day. They're, they're very nice collector's pieces, I find. They are. Um, vinyl is coming back, and I think it's a, a case that if you're going to have physical media, the CD is just a, a vessel for the media, mm-hmm. whereas these vinyls are pieces. Yes. Like, the object itself is lovely, so... Yeah. Um, Let's have an Earthworm Jim vinyl. Please. Oh, That'd yeah. That'd be great. Um, and we can get a picture of Tommy Tallarico in the liner notes, drinking Iron Brew, like Iron Brew but refusing to finish it. <laughs> I don't know how you Scottish drink this. Like, yeah, we've heard this like three times now. I'm sure he said Scotch. Oh, he always does it on the stage, doesn't he? Yeah. yeah. Video, so, yeah. Total tangent, but yeah, video games live. Hmm. Last time we went, that was not great. It was. It was like a. No, I'm not going to be cruel about it, but it was not. <laughs> it was impressive. like being in 2008 again, but in a really bad way. Do you know, like, if you go to like an old, um, sort of like uh, a really old local. Uh, fairground, mm. one that's oh. always been there, or like a... they just never maintain the the rides or something. Yeah, and, and you're like, you can you can tell it's out of date, it's out of fashion, like it, some some weird property from back in the day. It's like some cartoon that nobody even thinks about anymore. Sure, that's what video games life feels like. Oh, no. um, he's got old old memes. <laughs> they just had a massive uh, Kickstarter campaign as Did well, they? didn't they? Maybe that could inject some sort of life into it if they put some money into it. Well, that's, I think it was successful. It was, yeah. it was a few months ago it finished. Oh, yeah. that'd be interesting. Because like, you can tell he's really enjoying it. Oh, yeah. Like yeah he, 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 Tommy Tallarico is so passionate about what he does. Yeah. And I think he loves being on stage and entertaining as well. Yeah. And the Airphone Gym soundtrack is amazing. Yeah, I mean it's weird because like you compare like going to a VGL, which is like feels like quite a sort of 
quirky, upbeat atmosphere. It's like, oh, games, blah, 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 and all yeah. that kind of thing. Um, compare that to Distant Worlds, which I went to the Edinburgh one, and we are going to the 30th anniversary one in London later yeah. this year. Mm. Um, everything is presented very seriously. Like, it's always like Final Fantasy has taken quite, like, obviously Final Fantasy itself does not take itself seriously 100% of the time, but it's, it's presented as this very, sort of, like, serious brand. And yeah. it's, they, they pay the games a lot of respect in the musical pieces, and obviously, this is from this game, and it's, they never, like, build up to it with any memes or that. Like, there's always yeah. a bit of a laugh, and they hover with the sing along to One Winged Angel at the end, but, like, it's always presented to be, like, like, we've sort of video packages, and they're all very well edited and all that kind of thing. Um, and the Kingdom Hearts World Orchestra Tour just happened recently as well, that's and that's very similar. Like, it's, it, they actually, um, Tetsuya Nomura wrote extra story dialogue for the programs that is not in any of the games. Yeah. Um, so he, he, in the programs, there is story content for the games that connects one game to another that you only get if you go to these concerts. And the last um, uh, Final Fantasy Distant Worlds that I went to as well, they added, I think you guys might have been there, they been. added a section to the Final Fantasy VI Opera House piece yeah. that was never in the games. That's so cool. that yeah. they said that that was the only place that you'd be able to hear it. Oh, wow. I, I think things like that are great events. Again, coming back to like you know talking about collectors' editions and, yeah. and and pieces that tie in with games. Sometimes going to a concert, it's not the kind of thing that is common for people our age no. to go to a, a classic music concert. But no. to go to something that's linked to something that we love, yeah, and you know dress up nice for it and go down to to see this event, it's it's quite a it's an occasion. Yeah, there's a. Um... A lot of snobbery from the classical music community about video game music. Mm. Um, if you Classic FM do the top 100 video game tracks, and if you ever get a chance to go and read the comments on their website while they're doing that, it is amazing. It's so fun just seeing these people just lose their shit over these things. But um, the thing is that it is it's opening up that sort of music and that sort of thing to a generation that didn't doesn't. Like you said, do that sort of stuff. Yeah, there's there's very little reason for them to be drawn in, but now yeah. they have this thing that they can associate with and they can understand. So it's it's, it's maybe even like you know like a, a gateway drug, yeah. you know, to get them to appreciate uh, the orchestra and yeah. the concerts. Can, um, can I come back to what you're saying about classic FM? Yeah, you know that uh, yesterday Jessica Curry started. Oh, is it top score? Right. Her own video game segment on, on classic, classic FM. FM. Yeah. That's pretty cool. I missed it, but I'm hoping I can catch it online somewhere. Yeah, that's the thing. The people who actually... Classic FM themselves, the station, they are very welcoming and engaging of that yeah. section of listeners. Absolutely. Um, it's. I think it's more the, the, the stuffy old, like, oh, where's my Brahms? Or or whatever. Yeah. Um, which is also the name of a town in Silent Hill. But, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's something as well... Um, there isn't a lot of discussion about video game music. There is, but it's not... It's insular within the game yeah. community, yeah. Um, and so getting that out on the radio and stuff, it's really... Yeah. It's cool. And it's it's not like they're putting out crap. No. It's, <laughs> Jessica Curry herself is a really incredible composer with yeah. classical influences. And it's... It strikes me as kind of being the kind of thing they could play it and not tell someone yeah. that it's in a video game. And they wouldn't know yeah. that, that it's not a, a it's, it's not a piece that's been composed yeah. more recently for something else. But. Well, the thing is, a lot of people don't come to it like saying, "I am going to compose for video games." Yeah, the way you do it is like, "I am going to be a composer." Yes. Oh, here is some video games that applies to so many things. Yeah. Like, I'm going to be an artist, not an anime artist. I'm yeah. going to be yeah. a 
a software developer, yeah. not a video game designer. If you look it's, at uh, Gabe Newell, worked for Microsoft. Yeah. Um, a good, uh, the, the, my favourite example is the guys who made Doom, who yeah. were just a bunch of code monkeys, and they all just got together. Like, it, there's like the photos of them in their office, and they're all dressed like complete like nineties nerds, like the yeah. generic nineties nerd, and they made this game that revolutionised the FPS genre. And none of them really like they worked on games before that, but they didn't go into work on games. They made software, but they also liked games. Yeah, and they made this thing that completely turned the industry on its head. It's like you don't become a video game developer. You don't go in with that intention. Like no. you shouldn't. Really. Know know your craft. Yeah, or your your yeah. sort of thing. Know what you're and good then at. then. Bring that to the table. Yeah. yeah. Don't come to the table and go. Can I have some cutlery, please? Yeah. <laughs> like I don't know. Um, this is this is turned into one massive tangent. Yeah. This is the biggest tangent we have ever had. I think, given that we've not been on in three weeks, it's kind of just letting everything out. That's, yeah. But it's a good tangent. Though. So it's the next many. Hopefully, it's it's been of interest. Yeah. I think like um, sometimes we you'd come across topics that you would never have discussed. Mm. Um, but. Uh, yeah, if you if you find a NES Mini for anything below a hundred quid, you probably find yourself a bargain. That's today's top news story. <laughs> yeah, grab it. Yeah. So, will we take a little break and then come back to talk about what we've been playing? Certainly. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Great. So, what you've been playing this week? What have I been playing this week? What have you been playing this week? Mostly Dark Souls, which will maybe come as a surprise to some of our regular listeners. <laughs> um. But I have been playing Persona 5 as well. Oh. You never saw that coming. Oh. Blindsided. Persona 5. Persona 5. It's been great. Yeah. It's really cool. I'm very excited to play it. It looks One very day. nice. It is very pretty. I don't really know a lot about it. I know it's out. And I know I like Persona. Do you want the basic premise? Uh, yeah. Okay. So you play a wee boy. A little boy. A wee boy. I think he's about 16. Um, and he has moved to Tokyo to go to school. So he's a transfer student. And the reason he has moved is because he is a young offender. Um, he in- intervened a violent crime and he had charges pressed against him for doing so, he, uh, for standing up for, for a young woman who was being assaulted by some chap on the streets. And the, the guy pressed charges. So. Oh, he was uh, taken into uh, taken into protective custody. Uh, well, he, he had to move, uh, essentially. I don't know why. I, I don't know if I just wasn't paying too much attention. And uh, so you end up in Tokyo. I've only played for maybe three or four hours. Um, mm. So I've, I've gotten to grips with the battle system. And I'm not too familiar with uh, older Persona games, so I couldn't really compare. Yeah. I've been told that it is quite similar in terms of it's, it's a strategic Active time battles? Sorry. Yeah, it's like ATD. your sort of turn-based combat, is it? Yeah, yeah. But it's it's similar more... to Final Fantasy VII. Yeah. Um, and there's an element of uh, strengths and weaknesses uh, when you're fighting characters, so you can do uh, extra damage if you attack them with something that they're weak to, and then, like, yeah, it's strategic in that sense. Okay. Um, it's been pretty cool so far. The oh, yeah. Like just navigating the the little local environment, and as as you all know, it's it's very pretty. The the animation and the user interfaces and the way they animate and kind of I don't know guide the player, I guess as well through their movement is really nice, really cool. Um, you probably won't be seeing a lot of it online because it is completely 
blocked from recording. sharing. Yeah. Yeah, I remember there was a there was a bit of contention on Twitter about that because Atlas made a huge post about it. It's like we don't want people spoiling the game for everybody. You need to experience it for yourself, and I can understand that mm-hmm. angle from it. But the game has also been out in Japan since September, hmm. so if people were gonna get spoiled, they've probably been spoiled by now. Yeah. So yeah. you know, it's a strange one. I can see where they're coming from, but it just seems in aid of little. I think is the way I'd put it, but. But yeah, I understand it. They they seem to have their own kind of idea of what they want to do, and f- fair play to them, I guess. There there is a there was news online apparently they're going to go after streamers that are post- oh yeah, posting good, content beyond good a luck certain point. Like how the hell are you going to do that? How is one company going to go after certain streamers? Like how many people have bought Persona Five? Like hundreds of thousands, I'm sure. Well, at the very least, they could issue um, takedown notices if they're doing it on YouTube or Twitch or that. Yeah. Um, if people want leaks to get out. They will get out. Like, um, I remember when MGS5 and Final Fantasy 15 got, came out early. Like, usually, like, I think 15 came out two weeks before launch because it's always somewhere in the Arab Emirates or, mm. like, Japan or somewhere like that. Um, they will get the game early. Um, usually, like, like, the big streamers like Twitch, Ustream, blah, 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 they will lock it down, but there's always somewhere else. Uh, and then they will get out if they wanted to get out. Right. So, like, that's, you're, you're kind of just, Pressing down on them to try harder about the time, but I can I can understand why they're doing it. But it's again, it seems like a futile effort. To yeah, me, but. I mean, the the jury still seems to be out with a lot of people whether streaming uh, encourages sales or damages them, or maybe it depends on the type of game it is. Hmm. I'm I'm not really into watching streams, so no, I'd, I'd much rather play a game for myself. So yeah, I can't really. I can't really. It's not. It's not an area I'm massively familiar with. Yeah. I mean, people certainly will p- watch a stream rather than buy it. Mm. But then it's whether or not the increased sales from the exposure offset the people who don't buy it because they can stream it. Sure. Yeah. I mean, um, the the people that aren't going to buy it because they would just watch the stream. It doesn't sound like that's done as a financial decision. More yeah. like, mm. oh well, they they're not going to buy that it anyway. Interested? Yeah. yeah. Um, or maybe just lazy. Yeah, it's a strange one. These well, millennials. On. But. uh I will play Persona. That's what I've been saying all year. I will play this game. I will play that game. I want to play Persona 4 before I go into 5. That's a good one. Yeah. Three's good as well. 3 and 4. I've heard 3. There's a, like a complete edition of 3 as well, isn't there? P- F-E-S? Persona FES. Yeah. yeah. And there's also Persona 4 Golden for the Vita. Yes. Yeah. Which is, is really good. Uh, port. I actually have Persona 4 Golden, but I've only played like maybe... An hour into it or something. Was there not one for the PSP as well? Or is that Persona 3? That's Persona 2. Persona 2? Yeah. And Persona 3, sorry. Yeah, Persona yeah, 3 did the one as well. 3 or so. 4. But they sort of do it differently. It's not full... You don't have the full range of motion. Mm. You can only... It's, it's more like, like a visual novel, I think. Yeah. yeah. Right. So. Um, yeah. I mean, the only other Atlas game I've really played to any length is Catherine. Oh, yeah, yeah. Which I I really enjoyed. I, I think it was maybe that kind of... It was, it was a very simple game in terms yeah. of the mechanic and the gameplay. I really enjoyed the puzzles. I have a few issues with the story for Catherine, mm. um, but not something I have time to go into <laughs> just now, because then well, it'll just turn into the Catherine hour. Yeah, yeah. But uh, no, Alice, um, they're run by Sega now. Yes, they, they are. are. Yes, yeah. they are. Sega have been making a lot of good decisions lately. Yeah. Um, although... Sonic Forces doesn't look as good as it probably should, considering it's been in development for five years. It doesn't seem to be anything 
new, really. Because the trailer got me really excited. I was like, oh man, this trailer looks interesting. They're going back to the Sonic Adventure formula. Sonic's getting a bit more of an edge to him after like a lot of cartoony games. That'll be something kind of new. It'll be interesting. And then the classic Sonic gameplay came out and it looked exactly like Generations. And I'm like, oh, come on, are you serious? Like, Mania looks been interesting in that. Oh, Mania looks really good, so yeah. it's not hard for it. But, I mean, you should be putting more effort into your big winter title than... What well, Mania is effectively a side project, although, and even then, that looks like it should actually properly be Sonic Four. I can't yeah. wait to see the the sales for Sonic Mania compared to Sonic Forces. I think it's going to be a, a big hit. Yeah, like, I hope it is because it's. I mean, it I'm looks, I'm really like excited for for Mania. Oh yeah, it looks awesome. It looks so good. But Forces, I couldn't really care about. It's, no, I know. I think it's it it has the potential to suffer from the the same problems as the Sonic games for the past few years that have been of that format, the kind of 3D, really really fast paced. Not like the too much going on to, to yeah. enjoy. Almost, it's like you're you're running through this beautifully crafted 3D environment, but you see it for a split second. Yeah. Whereas, like, I don't know. I, I've always kind of felt that the side-on views you can take more of the levels in and just enjoy it a little yeah. more. Yeah. Rather than being propelled through by speed traps and mm-hmm. um, kind of automated camera motions and stuff. Sonic, something that I could rant about for a while. But yeah. Um, How about you guys? What you've been up to? It's been three weeks. Well, I've been playing a few games. Mm. Um, nothing brand new, but I have finally got around to playing Breath of the Wild. Nice. So that has taken up a lot of my time. I've been playing Breath of the Wild. I started Silent Hill, the first one, again, because um, I'm hoping to refresh my memory on that game. It's a bit hazy. Mm-hmm. Um, but Breath of the Wild was one that I was... I knew it was on my radar, obviously. It's Zelda. Yeah. I knew I wanted to play it, obviously. It's Zelda. I knew it was going to be good, obviously. It's Zelda. Well, I no, I think Zelda's always some. Of, there's like a rubbish Zelda, but they're not rubbish games. Sure. Yeah. Um, I think people have higher standards for Zelda, uh, as, so as I knew it should. was going to be a game that I would play. What I didn't expect was it to be possibly the best Zelda in who can say when. Like I, I it's just it's incredible. It's um one of my favorite games at the moment. Yeah. Uh, and I'm not really doing anything. People mm-hmm. are like, oh, what are you doing in Zelda? I was like, well, I just spent half an hour climbing this mountain only to find out that the shrine at the top of it is a minor, no, a major test of strength. Oh. Uh, and I was like, okay, I guess I'll fly down to the other one. I think it was, it was either, it was one of them was like a, a major test of strength and one of them was like a... I know what this, is it on the peninsula? It's beside Hateno village? Yes. So, so it's, saw it. it's a moderate test of strength, I think. Oh, and then the it's a major down then on the, the island. Bottom. Yeah. I was like, I'll just fly down to the next one. I was like, I don't know, fuck this. I've got five hearts <laughs> and no stamina. I'll just leave. Did you, and this is maybe a bit of an aside, from the major test of strength, that little yeah. island, did you see an, an island in the distance? Did you try going to that? Where? Uh, fr- from the little island. So instead of the Oh, I did. Land? I saw it. So, um, no, I transported back. I just ah. left. There was an island. Uh, and I didn't think I could swim to it. No, but there's a raft on I the major test of strength island. I don't know how to use rafts. You need a leaf to blow Oh, I don't have one. That's oh. the thing. I was standing there like, go, go. And then I, I found out you could um, stop time on it. So I stopped time on it and tried to hit it. And it doesn't register the hits. All right. Yeah, I thought I could hit it and just go in the direction it takes me. So, so I, just to confirm, sorry, um, test major and moderate test strength, is that like the notifying difficulty? Yeah, so... The shrines work by... Some shrines are puzzles. Right. Where you have to get through a set of yeah. 
environmental puzzles mm. or whatever. But other ones test other things. So these tests of strength basically means that there's an enemy that you must defeat to complete the shrine. Right. Okay. And I think I tried the moderate test of strength and got demolished. Mm. Went to the next one and was like, no chance. Uh, but I, I also there's a, a tree stump on that island, and you stand on it, and I have no idea what it, what I'm supposed to do with that circle. Am I supposed to get into the circle? Uh, there's a korok is on, that what on it is? the small island. Oh, okay. Uh, you, I don't know what you have to do to to get him, to get yeah. him to get the seed from him, but I, I know they're they're everywhere. Yeah, five hundred koroks. That's maybe. ridiculous. There's so many. Like you're like, oh, I finally got to the top of this hill. Oh, I want there's a strange rock formation here. Yeah. I'll interact with it, and it's like. You see a little cork, and it's. I know they're 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 kind of like always to be expected. Yeah, but that that island that you can see from the major test of strength. Yeah, is the whole island is a shrine. Oh right, and it's worth going to. I yeah. won't say any more. No, I'll it, go back to it. Don't go back until you you've maybe got a little further f- through the game. It is okay. tough. <laughs> I have um, without spoiling much, there are four things in the game. Yeah. I have got to one of them, okay, uh, and got through it, only to find out I wasn't strong enough to f- complete it yet. Okay, I mean, uh, th- these are essentially the the four things are essentially temples. Yeah, so they're they're the shrines are small environmental uh, puzzles. puzzles. Mm-hmm. The temples are kind of larger with with multiple puzzles, you like have the to temples solve and, and Ocarina of Time stuff. Yeah, like that. yeah, right. they're, they're re- really reminiscent of classic Zelda games. Right, really fun. Dungeons and mm. some really fun sort of like some might even solving. say fungeons. Fungeons. Um, like an infection. My <laughs> favorite things that have happened to me were I was wandering through some plains and a thunderstorm began, mm. and I didn't really understand how to stop it. I, I worked it out, so you have to unequip anything metal, right? Yeah, to stop yourself from getting hit by lightning. But I got hit by lightning and I died, and I was like, ah, oh, great, oh, whatever. Um, and so I respawned, still thunderstorming. Um, took off all my metal things, was running about, saw some lad on the side of the road, talked to him, and he was like, I am going to kill you. Ah, uh, right. And I was like, all right, great, fine, let's fight. And then he got struck by lightning, <laughs> and he died. <laughs> and I was just like, yes. <laughs> there's, there's so Comic many. justice. So like in thunderstorms as well, you can throw weapons yeah. to, towards like enemy camps and stuff, and that will oh, attract the lightning. That's amazing. There's so many cool really things cool. you can do. The like, thing that it's... It, it makes sense. Mm. Like, um, I think it was uh, yeah. our friend Megan who said to me, if you expect a thing to do something, mm. it will do it. Yeah. Um, you don't have to go, how does this work? You just go, this is the way it should work. Mm-hmm. And the game's like, oh yeah, that's the way it works. Um, the whole game feels logical. Yeah. yeah. Cause and effect. Um, just the way items work. It's like... Uh, when the first time I accidentally set fire to one of my arrows, and I was like, "Oh, you can just take a regular arrow, stick the end in the fire, mm-hmm. and you have a fire arrow." Yep. And you shoot it at people, and it turns things on fire. Mm. I had a whole bunch of fun. <laughs> like the game is just the thing is, it takes sometimes it takes forever to do things. Yeah, that's the it is one of the slowest games I've ever. But played. But it never feels boring. No, because the whole experience of going somewhere. So I, the, when I saw that um, shrine, the mo- mo- uh, moderate test of strength. Yeah. I was in H- a village, Hateno village. Yeah. And I saw it, and I was like, "Oh, that looks pretty close. I'll just go over there." It was not close. No. It was miles away. Yeah. I think it took me twenty minutes to get there. I did the exact same thing. Yeah. 
because it it looks closer than it is. Yeah. Just the scale of it. Um, but the actual actually getting there, you're like climbing over things, you're gliding, you're avoiding things. You're not really thinking about like, oh, I just have to get there. Like we can, you can compare it to something like Skyrim. Yeah. Where Skyrim doesn't have climbing mechanics. Skyrim doesn't have flying mechanics. You have a horse or you can walk. Mm-hmm. And if you want to get somewhere, you just walk there. And you can walk over things, but you're not climbing it. There's no stamina. There's no anything like that. So there is no challenge in getting from place to place. Yeah. You're just walking there. And if something attacks you, you can kill it or you die. So actually walking places is not fun unless you're yeah. like, oh, what is over here? Uh-huh. Um, but the actual act of traversing the terrain in Zelda is a challenge in itself. Yeah. And it's fun. And there's times where you're like... I constantly die because I misjudge how long I can swim, or I misjudge my grip, or I misjudge the length of sink. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so, at first you're like, "Oh, well, this is rubbish. I don't know how I can do things." But later on, you become you come up to like a mountain, and you're looking at it. It's like, "How am I going to get over this mountain?" Mm-hmm. And you have to calculate exactly what sort of path you're going to take. Or you're like, "Oh, if I glide from here to here, and then climb up." it will be easier than climbing yeah. up from here and continuing like that. Mm. So, Well, I mean, like, the moderate and major test of strength yeah. shrines that you were talking about as well. Yeah. So I, I first did that on, on Ash's game, because yeah. we, we were taking turns about for, for bits of it. Yeah. And when, it was, when I got there, I was like, all right, I'm going to go and do this. And I completed the moderate one. Yeah. And then I tried to fly over to the major, but I didn't have enough stamina oh, right, to, yeah. to glide for long enough. So I couldn't actually... I was physically unable to. Yeah. And I think that almost lends itself uh, to the game a little because at that point, when you don't have that much stamina or that much hearts, then you shouldn't really be expected to get out to this point. No. So it's a real challenge. So there, there are things that are... There would have been other ways. Like I could yeah. have gone from the beach on or raft or whatever, but it makes it does make you approach things from different perspectives or different trying different ways to do yeah. things. And it's exactly... I saw that place because I was down at the beach completing a quest mm. and I saw this island out there and I was like, oh, there's a shrine over there. And I sort of went and I walked around a bit and I was like, it's too far for me to swim. And I was like, oh, but there's a shrine over there. And I bet I could glide to the island. Uh-huh. And I did. And I got there. Um, and it's that sort of thing. It's the whole game just has this. It's, you can, you just get lost in it. You just play it and you're doing things that take forever. And I really don't like the whole game as well. The, the quests are very, I think the, one of the very first quests you get is kill the big bad end boss. It is, yeah. And then any, like, the way that you get from there to there is just however you happen to do it. it, it the thing I said to Kat, uh, our friend Kat, is you're, it doesn't micromanage you through quests. Yeah. So it's not like Skyrim where every step of your journey is, here's the next quest, do this. Yep. Here's the next quest, do this. Your journey is more sort of like, here is what you need to do at the end, fill in the blank. Mm. And you, you'll find quests and you will find things. It feels but, more like properly open ended in terms of how you can complete missions and quests than MGS five did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which is interesting considering MGS five is meant to be the game about stealth and open ended quest and, and Zelda did it better. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, Z- Zelda is what MGS five should have been. It should be. It's a, it's, it's it's even got base building. I haven't done it yet. I didn't it, you can build things. Kind of To an extent. That's amazing. You there's um you can take selfies. Yeah. You can cook. You can catch horses. Yep. You can catch animals. You can ride bears through the forest on fire. Yeah. Um, you can. You can. This like I don't even know what you can do. Like it's not a game where I'm here. Like okay, I've learned the mechanics. Yeah. 
I'm going to play the rest of the game. That's cool. I'm like, okay, this is how this works. You're constantly like, all right, so if you do that, this is how this works. And the cool thing is there are still people who are discovering things that you can do. Yeah. That, you know, it, possibly even the developers haven't tried out, you know, yeah. because people are just abusing it and people are trying to do everything they can because it's a really functional engine. It's a chemistry built. set they've built, basically, isn't it? Yeah, mm. pretty much. The only thing that's missing is enemy snipers and Oslo going, boss, get down. It's an enemy sniper. I think it is what Hideo Kojima wanted Metal Gear Solid yeah. 5 to be. Not exactly the same, no. but that sort of engagement with a game, the way you interact with it is what he kind of wanted. Mm. Um, but uh, I'm not even, I don't even feel I'm even beginning to scratch the surface. Yeah. And I'm going in blind. So if people, the collective internet is still finding stuff, then yeah, and I will. It's really popular yeah. with speedrunners as well. Yeah. Because they're trying to find like new ways of obviously completing it faster. And to do so, they're using really weird exploits and combinations of, of techniques and items within the game that yeah. mm. aren't aren't for the intended use. And it's, it's one of the biggest open world games I've ever been in, I think. The, the map huge. is massive. Yeah. And it, it feels... It just it just feels really cool. Like it's it's like the the Hyrule field in Ocarina of Time yeah. in in spirit. Yeah. But kind of extrapolated into realized. how it should realized, be. Yeah. yeah. You know. I mean, and where would you like? Where would you go from Breath of the Wild if you were to if what, Breath, for another it, Zelda? It's fair to say someone took a look at um, Ocarina of Time and was like, right, we want to do something similar on a yeah. current generation of hardware. Mm. You know, we want to make this much bigger as it as it would be. In real life, we want to like have, you know, interactions that are meaningful and make sense to the player and are fun. And it's like, so how how would you top that? Because you I don't know. It feels like the ultimate Zelda. Yeah. Like as Dave said to me recently, there's no gimmicks. No. It's Zelda distilled. The gimmick is that it's Zelda. Yeah. So. Down into its logical sort of componentry. Yeah. And I really couldn't see where you would go from there. Mm. Be cool if. No, I'm stumped. Like, th- this is Zelda. They've like, set themselves up to fail by making a game that's too good. Yeah, <laughs> yep. legit. That's what I've been playing though. That's yeah. I I'm no. It's a, I can I can see it can like I've I've also played it for two hours on a Switch. Mm. Um, I'm not gonna say anything about it because pretty much everything that I would have said about it has been said already. It's a great game. Switch is an interesting piece of hardware. Feels very fragile though. That's the only thing I can really say about the Switch. I only had a go of it for a couple of hours, but like I can see it's a definitely a game that is a time sink. It can you could sit there and end up playing it for like five hours at a time, um, quite easily. There's just like, lo- like no, even just you could easily play that game for thirty hours and never touch the main quest. You could just mm-hmm. yeah. like, oh, let's what's over here? Let's find some other stuff to do and stuff like that. So. I think um, the fastest that someone was has one hundred percent completed it, speed running so far, and that's like all the shrines, all the cork seeds, and completing the main story quest is fifty hours. Jesus Whoa. Christ. Um, there's there's a lot of content in there, yeah. And if if you can do it in fifty hours, if that's the fastest you can do the it, fastest possible, way. then just to take your own time and explore this entire world and find everything that has been put there for you, yeah. It's, you're talking hundreds of hours probably. For the, I would the say, player. right? I must have done. I've got five hearts mm. and five stamina containers. Mm. So you start with. Three hearts. Three hearts. So it's four shrines per thing. Mm. So I must have done, let's say, tw- like I, maybe twenty mm. shrines. Is and, and there's 
A lot, isn't there? I've heard about a hundred ish. So I don't know. I'm taking my time doing it. I have no idea how many hours I put into it. But it's a few. Yeah, just I enjoy to, it. It's, yeah, I think like you'll you'll discover cool things that you can do as well, mm. and and new things with it. So. Um. And then you know when when you finally do feel that you've run out of ideas, have yeah. a look and see what other people are doing, and then try that. It's yeah. it's so much fun. It's surprising. I didn't think I'd be that into it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's that's it really for me. Zelda, Silent Hill, and I'm still putting some time into Destiny. And oh, and I just bought some games, so we'll see in the coming weeks yeah, yeah. There's, there's a few that I would I would like to hear your thoughts on once you have a chance to play them yeah. how about um, you Dave so now that we're done with the Breath of the Wild podcast I can <laughs> get on to my games now now nah, I'm getting on I, like, I was like I have like I said I had played Breath of the Wild but I'm not gonna yeah. say but anything because I, I know from speaking to you previously you were quite sceptical about it because it received so many high scores I mean do you feel now that it maybe deserves those or are you still kind of I, I, it's obviously a very good game it's very well made like it's even just for looking at it, you could tell like there was a lot of effort and consideration made into put into the game. Mm. So it's, it's come out very well. I've only played it for two hours. I played from the start right up until the third, fourth temple, I think, right. or shrine, sorry, not temple. So like I can tell it's a very good and well realized game. It's had endless ten out of tens and all that kind of thing, and I can understand why because for like the last ten, maybe fifteen years. Zelda has been in a bit of a funk where mm-hmm. like they've always been like how do we improve this game like obviously the, the gimmick in Majora's Mask was that you only had a limited amount of time and then they were like oh well that, we've done that gimmick now let's make a like a wolf let's make him a, a train master um, let's um, like have a motion control gimmick and it, it felt like they were getting further and further away from like let's just make a good game Yeah. and they've finally rather than concentrating one gimmick they've just taken loads of loads of components for games that have done things particularly well and they've just like let's take all of this and let's make it into one cohesive thing rather than having the game balance on a gimmick that we constantly go back to and use as a crutch to justify the game mm. the entire game justifies itself because it's so bloody well made but um, I would have to play it for longer uh, I do plan on getting a Switch at some point to play it because I'd like to play Splatoon 2 as well probably not this year but at some point but yeah it's, it seems really good so but like i say anything that liam and you have said has basically just kind of justified what what i was going to say so there's no point in me going on about it yeah yeah. i've also been playing parasite eve because i was gonna i've actually given my japanese playstation to liam the reason being is because i was i wanted something that would just play everything and i didn't want to emulate so i was like i'm gonna buy a playstation and chip it uh, I was going to look into soldering and all that kind of thing, or like soft modding, which you can use like a, a flashed cheat cartridge that can plug into the parallel port. You can flash those and use it to run mm-hmm. uh, backups or imported games. Yeah. Uh, so I went and bought a PlayStation for a tenner off eBay, and it was already chipped. So that kind of like I didn't even have to do any of that. So I was like, Bonus. oh great. Um, so I've been playing uh, my American copy of Parasite Eve, um, which is an interesting game. Very different for Parasite Eve Two. Parasite Eve Two is like a Resident Evil alike pre-rendered backgrounds, real-time combat, different types of guns like that you can use. Pretty a very sort of interesting item usage. So like you've got lots of key items that you use for like unlocking doors. Like it's it's very very much like find this key, unlock this door, and then you find another key and unlock the next door, and blah blah blah. Uh-huh. Sequentially unlocking stuff like a Resident Evil game. Parasite Eve One is more akin to. It feels like halfway between Final Fantasy Seven Eight, which makes sense because it was made halfway between Final Fantasy Seven Eight. 
So it's very more like a straightforward RPG, but it's you can tell they've concentrated a lot on making it a cinematic game. And that's no a cinematic experience in terms of what it means in modern um from a modern perspective. A cinematic game is like obviously when Final Fantasy Seven was released, Square spent a lot of time and a lot of money setting up a visual effects department, which they set up in California and Hawaii and called Square USA, who then went on to do the CG visuals and pre-rendered full motion videos for Final Fantasy Seven, which Square used in their advertising a lot. They were like, look at these fantastic visuals, look at um, how cinematic this game is, look at like how much it looks like a movie. Because CG visuals were in vogue at the time with Toy Story, uh, Lawnmower Managers, um, stuff like that. Terminator 2 as well. Terminator 2 was one of the bigger ones, actually. So, Parasite Eve feels very much like, let's take what we have from here and let's put it into a game that feels more like an action thriller film. And it does, like, the, the progression of the plot, and because like, it's more like a, an action mystery. Mm. Like, you're progressively finding out where all these monsters are coming from, who Eve is, and, and it feels more like a, a movie. Whereas Final Fantasy VII, whilst having all these grandiose cutscenes and all that, is more like a traditional RPG, like much, much more like a traditional RPG. Uh-huh. But it also has like um, Parasite Eve also has like interesting combat where you, it's very much like a Vagrant Story, which was released a couple of years after, but it's like a very basic version of Vagrant Story where you can move around during combat, um, but you have like um, a sphere which will determine how far you can attack. Right. Um, so if you have uh, a, you just got like one of your main weapons is the Billy Club, which you can only use close range of enemies or otherwise you just got to whiff every attack mm. you get different guns which have different ranges all that kind of thing and you also get magic well it's not really magic it's kinetic energy that you can all use to, also use to cure yourself um, elemental damage all that kind of thing it's a really weird game one thing I did discover about it recently was um, that they had CG directors from Die Hard 3 work on it huh. because they really wanted the CG sequences and the backgrounds and that kind of because it's set in New York they wanted it to look authentic and legitimate yeah. which it does I mean for 1997 it's a pretty decent looking game so yeah Parasite Eve is a weird weird game not really anything you'd get from Square nowadays it's just it's, it's, it's a good game it's just that the narrative is very strange it's very much like a like I say a film which you wouldn't get anymore like it's like RPGs have a certain way that they portray their story and it's it's quite weird and different for that yeah um i've also been playing breath of fire 4 which i've only played for about an hour which is a great looking game for the playstation 1 2d sprites which are hand-drawn mm-hmm. and incredibly well animated 3d models um 3d backgrounds all that kind of thing it was released really really late in the ps1's life i think it was 2000 like late 2000 uh-huh. so that at this point like the developers knew how to utilize the, the console to its full potential so it's an amazing looking wee game very staunchly traditional in terms of gameplay and storytelling, though. Like, it's not much different from any other RPGs released around the time. Like, I don't know, like, for example, Wild Arms or uh, one of the Tales games, stuff like that. But sometimes that's all you need. You don't need anything that's different or groundbreaking, like Parasite Eve was, was different and weird, which was what Square were trying for the time. They were like, we've done this huge thing with Final Fantasy VII, let's try loads of different things to see what sticks. Mm-hmm. Breath of Fire 4 is very staunchly traditional, and that's fine. Sometimes that's all you need. Just a really well-made traditional game. So yeah, it's, uh, that's all I've been playing really. Like it's lots, lots of old games because there's not many. Well, I don't have enough money to buy all the fantastic games that have been released in the first quarter of this year, which is like about like ten. <laughs> yeah, there have been a lot of good games, and I kind of, on the opposite side, I don't have the time to play them all. Yeah. yeah. Oh. No, no time, no money. 
But I do intend on playing Neo at some point. That looks mm. really good. I want to play that. It does look good. Maybe uh, maybe once I finally finish Dark Souls Forever. It's, it's not, not far away. It's not far away. I think we'll finish up there. And I think it's Dave's turn to do the game quote this week. So mm-hmm. do you have one for us? I certainly do. It is, my career is over and it's all that blue bastard's fault. <laughs> uh, okay. My career is over. And it's all that blue bastard's fault. That's not something Robotnik would say, I don't think. (laughs) No, it's it's, it's. Well, I'm not going to give away if it's Sonic or not. It could be from Shadow the Hedgehog for all you know. Oh, yeah. That that, um, R18 game. So, yeah, we haven't had any uh, feedback in the last few weeks whilst we've been off. Fair enough, I guess. But if you do have any stories for us or anything you'd like read out, please get in touch. You can get in touch with us by emailing podcast at azarin.com. You can leave a message on the post. You can leave a message on the SoundCloud. You could send us a message via our Facebook page at the Ozarin Podcast. The Tweet Machine. The Tweet Machine, at Ozarin Tweets on Twitter. But do get in touch. And failing that, we'll be back again soon. Yes. Yeah. Bye. Bye. Bye.